0: Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, belonging to the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. author of life, we thank you for your word and we ask that as we reflect upon it this morning, your spirit would be with us to transform us in heart, mind, and soul. Amen. Today is the day that we celebrate Pentecost. Now what Pentecost means literally in the Greek is 50th, as in if we start counting on Easter Sunday, and we count until today, then today is number 50, the Pentecost Day. What this day means in the life of the Church is so much more than this literal title might suggest. This is the Sunday that we celebrate the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the followers of Jesus Christ, thereby giving birth to what we know as the Church. On Easter this year, I mentioned how much our present circumstances seemed like that first Easter, as we sheltered in our homes, not knowing what would come next. And it strikes me that today, our Pentecost is also very similar to that first Pentecost. See, after the resurrection, Jesus had appeared to his disciples at various points throughout the span of 40 days. Then, on the 40th day, he ascended to heaven, having left his disciples with the instruction to wait in Jerusalem. He had told them that if they waited in Jerusalem, they would soon experience a baptism by the Spirit. And so, 10 days later, the disciples were still gathered together in Jerusalem. They knew something was coming, a change, but they didn't know when, they didn't know quite how, but they knew something was on the horizon. Are we not like the disciples? We know that something is on the horizon We might not know exactly what it looks like or how it will come into being. But one thing is certain. Things will no longer be as they once were. While none of us would have wished for this pandemic or the disruptions that it's brought to our lives. What has become evident is that the church after the pandemic will not be the church that it was before the pandemic. Churches across the country have had to ask serious questions about how we can continue to be the church when the way that we know how to be the church is no longer available to us. In some cases, this has meant an explosive growth in creativity in churches adapting to technology to meet people where they are. Many of our churches have become visible to the world in ways that we have never been. In other cases, it has meant asking what we can do without. How, for example, have we become over-reliant on our buildings as the place where all of our ministry happens? So we know that changes are coming. And like the disciples, We are waiting and praying to see what will come. As the disciples waited to see what came next, the most miraculous thing happened. The Holy Spirit came rushing like a gust of wind and filled the house where they were sitting. Like tongues of fire, it overtook them. And suddenly, the disciples were proclaiming the gospel in languages they never knew before. Those gathered around were astonished at such a thing. But some looked upon what was happening and said, they are filled with new wine. In other words, they said, they're drunk. They're fools. Just ignore them. Now, let's just set aside the fact that I've never heard of drunkenness making someone fluent in another language. What those critics were saying was that it doesn't make sense to the way that I see the world, so what they're saying doesn't matter. Well, two millennia later, and we still hear the same things. There are still those who feel that if we can't prove that God exists with scientific data, then clearly we're just a bunch of fools who should be ignored. So what does Peter do when he hears those comments? He starts to preach. He says, no, no, hold on a minute. What is happening here is exactly what God has promised. Now we've spent the last six weeks, looking at a five-chapter letter from Peter. So we know that he can say a whole lot in a short amount of time. So let me just summarize what Peter has to say in his sermon instead of reading the whole entire chapter for you. He starts with the prophets, specifically with Joel. He says, Joel told us that in the last days, God was going to pour the Spirit out on us. This, what is happening, is what was spoken of by Joel. The Spirit has been poured out on us, and we are living in the end of days. Then he talks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he provides his witness as to how the disciples have been transformed by their encounter with Jesus Christ, and know him to be the anointed one, their Lord. At this, some folks in the audience start to ask, well, what should we do? Peter replies, repent and be baptized so that you might save yourselves from the corruption of the world. And do you know what happens next? The scriptures say that about 3,000 people who heard his message were baptized that day. They devoted themselves to a life of discipleship and fellowship. They formed the beloved community of God by holding all their things in common, giving from each according to their ability and to each according to their need. Now think about the disciples and think about what they must have imagined in those ten days between the Ascension and Pentecost. They had some pretty high hopes. They'd asked Jesus right before he left, are you about to restore the kingdom? And in true Jesus fashion, the answer that they got was, it's not for you to know, it's for you to wait and see. So maybe, In their most hopeful moments, the disciples imagined something like this. But these are the same disciples that never expected to see Jesus die on the cross either. So in their darker moments, they may have wondered whether the movement would actually grow beyond them. They knew change was coming but they had no idea what that meant. It must have been overwhelming then to go from being the ragtag remnants of a movement struggling to survive to a community of 3,000 people. And if I'm being honest, I feel for those disciples. I really do, because there are days when I am absolutely certain that the kingdom is just around the corner. And there are days when I think, how on earth is the Spirit going to pull this one off? but we are the inheritors of the beloved community that came together on Pentecost. We have received from others according to their ability to help us meet our needs. And as the Michigan Annual Conference reached out a hand to help us, the Spirit was moving among us. In the past year, we have witnessed an outpouring of spiritual gifts from one another. We have heard testimonials about how much this community means to each of you. We have shared in fellowship over community dinners, plant and rummage sales, and evenings out for dinner. We've shared in discipleship with one another through Bible studies, membership classes, vacation Bible school, and Sunday school. We reached out to the community through things like the Farmer's Market and the Christmas Parade. We've worshiped together and we've prayed together. And I feel like the disciples must have felt the day after Pentecost. I no longer worry about the future of this congregation. I have witnessed firsthand the miracles that God has worked. I have felt the rushing wind of the Spirit-breathing life back into a community. I know that change is coming for you. I don't quite know how things are going to look, but I know what God has spoken. I know that the kingdom is upon us. I know that as long as you remain committed to fellowship, discipleship, worship, and prayer, that the Spirit will continue to work through you. So on this Pentecost, let us give thanks for the unlimited potential of God working through the beloved community. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Holy Spirit, breathe your life-giving power into us. Prepare us for life in the kingdom. Guide us faithfully through these, the last days. Make us instruments for your reconciliation with all of creation. Amen.